Hello, this is Scotty McCoy. I am the author of the Ultimate Friday the 13th trivia book, and I'm doing another book titled The Ultimate Slasher Movie Encyclopedia, and I am interviewing the cast and crew of the Friday the 13th franchise, and I have on the phone with me my favorite Jason, uh, Ted White. He played the iconic Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Hi, Ted. How you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, I adored you in uh, Friday the Thirteenth. You were so menacing. It was just a great uh, great character. You played him with the utmost respect to the character. Oh, scary, scary, scary. That's all I thought about, Scott. You know, when I got that part, uh, I'd, I'd never. I, in fact, I'd never even seen the Friday the Thirteenth. I hate to say that, but I had never seen it. So I, did, I really didn't know what I was getting into. Right. But uh, after meeting the kids, and most of them were all first-timers in motion pictures. A few of them had done one or two shows before, but no, nobody really had any uh, motion picture experience. Uh, I got a kick out of it. I enjoyed working with them. A lot of fun. That's great. That's great. So the first question I got for you is, um, how did you get your start into acting? Into acting? Yes. Yeah. Well, really and truly, I didn't, I, the only start I got into acting is, you know, I've worked in the business for 60 years, and if your audience don't know it, I'm now 92 years old. <laughs> but uh, in that 60 years that I worked in the business, I worked with some of the best actors that I guess that's ever been on the silver screen. And start out with uh, John Wayne, Clark Gable, Victor Mature, Rock Hudson, going down the line. Uh, great actors, great actors. And, uh, you know, you watch them day after day, and you're on the show sometimes for weeks and weeks. Uh, I never took a class in acting. I, I really didn't. I don't know if I, if I'd have ever passed it had I taken the class. But after watching all these people for all the years that I've been in the business, it kind of came natural to me not to try to act, but just be Ted White. And that's what I did. I, I wasn't really acting. I was just being myself. That's great. That's that's, great. that's the that's best way to do it because once you're your, when you're your true self, the best um, performance you can give is going to be right there. <laughs> so, uh, what was your audition like for Friday the 13th, the final chapter? The audition? Yes. Yeah. Well, when I got there, there were, uh, let's see, there were six other guys uh, waiting out, well, they weren't outside, it was in the hallway sitting on a, a long bench, and uh, they were calling him in by the way the last name started, so being with Ted White, I was the last one to go in. And each guy went in, and they were in there for, oh, 15, 20 minutes, sometimes five minutes. And uh, then they exit through another door. We never saw them leave. Mm -hmm. And but when they leave, the secretary would come out and ask the last one to come in. And this went on. So I was out there for probably, I'm going to say, maybe hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes, somewhere in that neighborhood. I really didn't keep track of it. It's, it's not unusual to be on an interview and be that long, or even longer, depending on how many people they had. But uh, I wasn't aware of Friday the 13th. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of uh, what it consisted of or anything, because I'd never seen it. And, and I hadn't talked to anybody else that had ever seen it. So when they called me in, uh, uh, they, I read for the part of a policeman. And I read that, and uh, they said, would you please go back outside and wait a few minutes? We'll let you know. So I came back in a few minutes, they called me back, and they said, well, we're going to go ahead and go with you, Ted, we like the reading. And I said, well, that's nice, thank you very much. And they, I said, that's the policeman. They said, no, we want you to do Jason. Well, now, I had never seen Friday, like I said, I'm being a little redundant here, but 
not, not having ever seen it. I didn't know, really know what Jason did or anything about him. But I had read part of the script while I was waiting. And I said, well, Jason, as I understand it, is a killer. He doesn't say anything. They said, that's right, he doesn't. And I said, well, you know what? I now have, my boys have now got kids. And I don't think they'd like to see their grandfather out there killing people. So I, I'm going to have to say thank you very much for the time you're taking with me and allowing me to come in and read for you. But I'm going to pass. And they said, you sure? And I said, yeah, absolutely positive. They said, well, Ted, you ought to think it over. It's a nice, it's a nice place for you to start in this kind of a bit. I said, no, 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 no. That's not exactly right. It's not a nice place for me to start. I said, I've been doing major motion pictures now for nearly 40 years at that time. And I said, uh, so don't tell me I'm just getting started. They said, no, we didn't mean it that way. We meant in, in the horror genre. And I said, oh, well, that's different. I've never done one of them. <laughs> they said, don't you think you ought to get your feet wet a little bit and try one? And I said, no, like I told you, I, I don't want my grandkids uh, to see me out there killing people. And so I left. Huh. And the prop guy, who only lived about two blocks from me, and uh, he called me and I, he said, I hear you were at the studio today. And I said, yeah. He said, what happened? And I said, well, I read for the part of a policeman, but they gave me the part of Jason. He said, oh, that's terrific. He said, that's great. Jason, he said, oh, my God, Ted. Hey, you're going to really love that. And I said, well, I turned it down. He said, why? And I said, well, you know, uh, all he does is kill people. There's no dialogue, nothing. And on top of all that, they never really see me. I got a mask on, and when I don't have it, I've got the other uh, rubber face or whatever they're going to make for me on. So they never really actually see my face at all. Right. And he said, well, let me tell you something. They have to make a body cast from your waist up. You would be on hold for six weeks. And I said, six weeks for body cast? They make that in one day. He said, no, not the way they make it. <laughs> six weeks you'll be on hold. Now, for your audience, when you're on hold in the motion picture business, you're on full pay. And I said, you know what? I think I've breathed up my, <laughs> my working habits, and I'm possibly going to have to take that show since I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what happened. I called him back. I said, you know what, guys? I think I'll go ahead and do your show. That's awesome. And I, you know, I've never regretted it. I, I really haven't because I met some wonderful, wonderful kids along the way. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, this, I know it's been a long time, but out of all the kills that you did in Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter, which one was your favorite and why? The kills, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, uh, that's a little difficult to answer, really. <laughs> but I, I think the one that... Uh, I thought probably was the most menacing of all of them was the one in the bathroom. Uh, yep. Yeah, where I pushed his face into the wall. Yeah. Or his yeah. back of his head into the wall. I think that probably was, I don't know. Um, I don't know what, how the audience, what the audience thought about it because the audience had seen a lot of this stuff in the past where I had never seen any of it. So <laughs> and for me to say which is the best is really not fair to the audience or to you and, and for this interview because I, who am I to judge? I, really, I'm not a judge of it. That's true. What's the best and which is the best. I'll let you know, though, the, that scene, the bathroom scene, that one um terrified me so much that every time I had to take a shower, I had to look outside the curtain when I was younger. <laughs> that one really terrified me. I'm not going to lie. Well, <laughs> uh, listen, I can tell you stuff that was funnier than that, really, if you want to hear that part of the Definitely. We, we were working, and you know where the Panga Canyon is here in Los Angeles? Yeah. 
Topanga Canyon is in the in the depth of ground yeah. next to Topanga Canyon, this the highway that goes over the mountain. Right. And uh, down there is about 40 feet to the bottom of the canyon, and uh, that's where the home was. The two houses were where we were shooting and everything. And it was about two o'clock in the morning, I guess. <clears throat> and we'd be, we were into it. I think we're in our uh, about eight or ninth day of it. And I had on the uh, the rubber piece that went over my head with the big cut in it and the blood and all on it and everything. And uh, I was going up to the honey wagon to my dressing room and get something. And there was a car parked right next to it where I couldn't get in the door. And uh, so I walked around to the other side and there were, there were two African-American guys there. And uh, as I walked by, they said, hey, bro, what's going on down there? You guys making a movie? And I walked back and I stuck my head down in the car and I said, yeah, we are. And they, with that, they saw that face. And I'm going to tell you, they burned rubber. They left there so quick. You <laughs> couldn't believe how fast they left. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to see that, love though. <laughs> so what was that's awesome so what was your most uh, memorable moment while filming Friday the 13th the final chapter my most memorable moment alright I think I can answer that one pretty easy and uh, I, I hate to tell this story because it makes one person look very very bad <laughs> and it makes me look like a hero and that's not the way it was that's right. not the way it was at all uh, but I'll tell it to you uh, Judy Aronson, you know who that is, of course. Yes. Yes. She was in a little rubber raft and in the lake, and this is in January, and it's very, very cold, around 28 or 29 degrees. And I'm supposed to come up in the water underneath her and run a spear through the raft and in through her and kill her. And so that's a shot. So they put her in the raft. She has a bikini bathing suit on. Now, you have to remember, it's, it's 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning. It's so cold, 23 degrees. She's in the water with the bikini bathing suit on, and it's freezing cold. <laughs> and they're setting the camera up, and people that don't know this, in the motion picture business, setting up a camera and getting a new setup for a new shot requires anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, 10, hour, 20, depending on how many people are in the shot. Well, in this case, there were only two, me and her, and the boat, and the little rubber boat, and the water. So, but they never thought of that ahead of time. So they went ahead and had her get the whole world we on, and get in the boat, the little, not the boat, but the rubber tube, and they put her out in the water. And now they're setting the camera up uh, on the bank to shoot this. Meanwhile, she's still out there, and she'd been out there for 30, 40 minutes, and I hear her call Josito, who was the director, and say, Please, Mr. Zito, I'm freezing to death out here. Can I come in for a minute? He says, no, we'll, we'll, we'll be loading, loading film right now. We'll be ready in just a few minutes. Well, I looked at her, and her teeth were shattering so bad, and she kept, and she huddled again. She said, please, I've got to get out for just a minute. He said, no. And I walked up, and I said, Zito, if you don't let her out, I'm going to walk off this film. He said, what do you mean you're going to walk? I said, I'm going to turn around and walk off, get in my car, and go home. You can't do that. And I said, you think I can't watch me? And I turned around and started walking. He said, wait a minute, come back. I'll get her out. So they got her out. And I want to tell you what, from that day to today,
reactions from it. It was so bad in her, her, her nose, her eyes, ears. Oh uh, she'd been going to doctors for years and years. And if you ever have a chance to interview her, she'll tell you the same story. I would love to interview her. Uh, she's a great gal. She awesome. Really, and what a, tro- what a trooper. Oh, awesome. Do you have uh, any contact info, info for her? With her? Yeah. Yes. She, she's gone. Uh, uh, my agent, uh, I talked to my agent about her. Okay. And he took her on, and one, sometimes when I go on these conventions, he sends her with me, and she does very well. Uh, she's well known, of course, because that story got out, and I don't know how it got out. I never told anybody about it, but it got out, and, and uh, when I would go on conventions, 90% of the time you have a Q&A, right. and for your audience, that Q&A consists of questions and answers, and you get up on stage, and the audience has different microphones they pass around, and they ask you questions about the show and so forth. Right. And uh, they all had read that, and so they all want me to tell the story over again, and I've told <laughs> the story time and time again. Wow. Uh, but I guess that's probably one of the highlights of the film for me. Awesome. So would you be able to maybe get me in touch with Judy then? Big pardon? Would you be able to help me uh, get in touch with Judy? Oh, no, I said, would you be able to help me get in touch with Judy also for an interview? To help you do what? To get me, uh, like, to get Judy Aronson for an interview. Do you have, like, con- Oh, get Judy Aronson? Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can call her and tell her, sure. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I'll give her a call this afternoon, let her know. Awesome, thank you so much. Um, the next question I have is, what was the best part of filming about, uh, Friday the 13th Part 4, and what was the worst? Right. Uh, in this 
some other kind of business. So I think he's in the music business. Yeah. But he's a nice young man. That's nice. And what was the worst part of filming? The worst part of filming was uh, the, the uh, different places we filmed in that uh, weren't easy to work with. I mean, the house was, it was dark and we had rain. We made our own rain, of course. Right. And, uh, that, and at night and it's cold and it's rainy. And that was very difficult. I had to do a, one of the courtyard things where I chased the lady across from one house to another. Right. Uh, I just, it was just miserable conditions, that's all. Yeah. Um, so how did they uh, film your de- the death scene of Jason at the end of the movie? How did they film my death? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we had an earthquake here in 1994, and we had a hospital out in a town called Northridge that had this big, beautiful hospital, and it was condemned. And they did have, the studio got rights to go in there and shoot in the morgue section of it. Okay. And uh, now that I'm thinking about this, there is a funny sequence here. Anyway, (laughs) uh, we're there, and uh, they hired a couple of extra girls, and all they're doing is, I'm on on a gurney, and they're pushing me into the, uh, what the heck is the name of it? Uh, The morgue. They're pushing me into the morgue. Because I'm dead now. Right. And uh, so I'm laying on the gurney, and uh, the director's talking to me, and the crew's all around me and everything. And finally, uh, I've got this rubber mask over my face that has all the blood and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And they pulled, finally pulled a sheet up over my head and called these two extras in. They made nurses out of them. They were in white gowns. Mm-hmm. Now, this gurney that they had me on had a railing on both sides of it. That's to keep me from rolling over or something falling off. I guess a stiffs or sometime or another would fall off of them or something happened. Anyway, it had rails on it. We're only about six inches high. Well, this girl that's pushing me on one side put her hands up on that railing and on action they start pushing me toward the morgue. And uh, the one on the other side goes and opens the morgue doors. And this girl starts to push me in. I got just my head in, and I reached out with my wrist, my hand, and grabbed her wrist and was over the railing. And I'm telling you, well, the audience can listen to it if they want. But she pees her pants. It scares her to death. It literally scares her to death. And I had to apologize to her over and over again. Uh, the girl had to go out. They had to change wardrobe. It was a mess. <laughs> so what about the ending scene then when uh like uh kimberly beck's character ended up uh, putting the machete in your head well of course the machete in the hand tom savini set that all up uh, okay. you know who tom savini is yeah. of course yeah and he set that all up and they had a false hand with the machete going through it and the blood coming out and all that all right. I'm actually I'm actually sitting by the camera when that's being shot. Nice. Uh, what about um at the end then when uh the machete like you, you, it like goes down your eye socket? How do they film all that? Say that again. Like when the machete goes down into your eye socket and all that. Again, that was Tom Savini. He okay. had a complete yeah he had a complete head made up, and then he has the knife has is has a hollow spot in it where he can put blood, and, and he's off camera, and he can squirt a tube, he has a rubber tube in his hand, and when he when he uh, presses it, the blood comes out of the knife, mm-hmm. and uh, that that was a real tight shot, of course. Wow, that's, and that's really how cool. that was shot, yeah. 
So what was it like? I know, work- like, I know that's not interesting to the audience, <laughs> but uh, you know, most a lot of the stuff we do in the motion picture business, as you know, uh, is is really boring, very boring, and because it's simple. <laughs> but it's it's simple, but it, it's a fooler. It fools people thinking it's a real thing. Exactly. Yes. So what uh is it was it like working with Kimberly Beck? With Tito? Kimberly Beck. Oh Kimberly. Well you know what? I only had uh, the one scene with her. That's up in the bedroom upstairs. Right. Uh she's a she's a trooper. Uh now the fighting that she did with me and everything was good, very good. And and we rehearsed that several times to get her to get enough strength to do what she had to do, especially when she hits me over the head with the uh, television set and all that. Uh, well, she's a trooper, though. She stood right in there, and she she had never done anything like that. You know, she, right. she's, a, she's a good actress. That's I don't know great. why she even got had a part in that show, but I guess like like me, she wasn't working at that time, and when the part came up, she took the job. Right. But she, she did a wonderful job. I, I, she's good. She's a good friend of mine to this day. Awesome. awesome. How was uh, Joseph How was Zito as a director? Well, I, <laughs> I think I told you about the thing with Joe Zito yeah. and the girl in the tube and stuff, and told him that I would walk. And word for word, I'll tell you exactly what I told Joe Zito. When we got the girl out and I saw how black, I mean, how blue she was and what was happening to her, I turned to him and I said, Zito, you are a bad, and I'm not going to use the cuss words I <laughs> called him, but I said, when this show's over with, I'm going to kick your ass. Wow. Wow. And that's the way I left it. And from that day to this, if I've ever seen him, I'm going to fulfill that promise. <laughs> I, you did a you did a very commendable thing for her though, because if it wasn't for you, then she w- could have been a lot worse than it actually is, and it's bad enough to begin with. Well, you know what? I don't know why she hadn't sued the studio. Oh, I agree. She's, she's got she's got problems. She's still having problems to this day. Insane. Her ears, her throat, her eyes. Huh. Uh, it's 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 a very bad situation. She goes in once every month or two months, and uh, they have to give her all kinds. Of, I don't know. She just. But Judy's just a trooper. She she doesn't say anything about it. Uh, she's gone with me a couple of times on conventions, and oh. she just says, "Well, it's what it is, and I, that's it." And she doesn't go any further with it than that. I'm 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 one of her biggest fans. I really am. Awesome. That is awesome. great. That is great. Um, what um, was the most challenging most stunt you had to do while filming well, Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter? There, let me tell you something, my friend. I've been in this business for sixty years, and I've been a professional stuntman all that time. Right. There was no challenging stunts in that for me. <laughs> that was like a child's play. And I, you know, running across the yard in the rain, that's the biggest stunt I had to do. My God, I didn't do anything. Uh, nothing, really nothing. And I hate for the audience to hear it that way because they probably think, I, have, you know, I did this and that, and, but I didn't know that there was nothing. All right, so how about this How about this one then? What was your most challenging stunt you ever had to do in your career? Okay. Howard Hawks took me over there. We shot it over there. And the very opening scene in it is Bruce Cabot is in a Jeep. And he's going across a, a desert. Uh, and we were in the, the Ngorongora Crater, which is a 12-mile crater, uh-huh. deep crater. And it's full of wild animals. And the opening shot of the show is a rhino charges him in this Jeep and gores him through the left leg. He's a passenger. Huh. 
and we had to reenact that, and uh, only we did it with a real rhino. By the way, uh, that show, the associate producer was Paul Helmick. He's now passed away, mm-hmm. a nice gentleman. But he wrote a book called Cut Print, and in that book, he writes about what happened that day with the rhino and me. <laughs> but also, that day, he was on the camera car watching. Uh, we nearly got killed, me and the guy driving the Jeep. The rhino, he turned the wheel the wrong way when the rhino charged, right. and the rhino put his horn underneath the seat that I was in. And now, this is one of those Jeeps that has no doors on it. Uh, you've seen the old Army yep. Jeep? Yep. He flipped that Jeep. The Jeep went about four or five feet in the air, turning over, rolling over, not end on end, but sideways. Right. Threw both of us out, and luckily it rolled over. In the air, it went over the top of both of us. And then the rhino started back at both of us again, and the camera car cut between us and and, uh, the rhino, and then it followed the camera car off. And uh, we finally got that Jeep back up. And I had been reading about this shot for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it was keeping me awake at night because that's not really a stunt. That's daredevil stuff, and I'm not a daredevil. <laughs> well, it was. And so Paul Helmick said, well, cut, that's a wrap for the day. And I said, Paul, I don't sleep a lot of nights because of this thing, the opening shot. I want to do it again. I want to get it out of my system so I can get some rest. He said, are you sure? And I said, I certainly am. I want a guy, different guy driving. Huh. And we got a different, we got one of the young white hunters to do the driving. Wow. We shot it again and we got the shot we wanted. Awesome. awesome. So what was the environment like on set? On Hatari? No, on uh, no, Friday on the 13th. Friday the 13th. Oh, it was good. Every, you know, it, uh, uh, I think after that episode with Judy, uh, Zeno kind of lightened up, uh, but see, he was under a tremendous amount of pressure, too. I right. Mean, uh, Mancusco Jr. was our executive producer, and he was on set quite a bit. A young man. His dad was the head of Paramount. Right. And a, a fine, fine young man. He, he's a great golfer. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, uh, the director's always under pressure. He's, he's got to get X amount of scenes done in a day, right. and if they fall behind and they get too far behind, They'll pull a plug on him and uh, and do it another time, you know, do yeah. the rest of it another time. Right. So when you're under that kind of pressure, you really don't, and my, this is just my opinion, you really don't do your best work. Right. That's true. That's that true. is true. That is true. So um, what is the experience like doing conventions after all these years and fans still wanting to meet you knowing that you were Jason? <laughs> I just. I just came back. I came back uh, Monday, last Monday, a week ago today. Uh, I was in uh, New Jersey for uh, a week, and yes. uh, but the convention was only three days. But I go, I'm there a day earlier than I'm there a day after the convention's over with. But uh, those conventions, to me, are really a hoot. I I really enjoy them because I get I get to talk to so many people, and they want to hear about Clark Gable. They want to talk about John Wayne. Yeah. And that's after they come over and buy a picture or a mask or something. And, but, I, you know, you can't fool, you can't fool our people that are coming to these conventions. They know everybody and they know what you've done. Yeah. They, they look, yep. they, they look you up on IMDb and, and for the audience, IMDb is what you can go on on your phone, your iPhone and look yep. up what I've done. All you have to do is just type in or say to it, uh, Ted White, professional stuntman. And it'll tell you everything I've done in the last 
60 years. Yep. Well, the audience, the audience that we work with, uh, mm-hmm. they know all that. They know every bit of that. <laughs> so when they come up to your table, they're very well uh, learned in, in what's going on about you and what you've done in the past. <laughs> and it's fun. It's a lot of fun for me. That's great. Although, at this last one, there's another gentleman that did Friday the 13th. He did four of them, Kane Hodder. Yes. Yes. He had a he had a little a bad bad thing happen. I'm telling, not talking out of school. Everybody knows about it now. I don't, I don't know why <laughs> you guys don't know it. A friend of his came over to his desk. Now his desk and mine were only about three feet apart. And Kane had a, a machete in his hand, holding it with the blade down, the long blade facing the, the desk down. And the man came over and laid his arm down, where Kane raised the machete up to show it to one of the customers. And he laid his arm down right where the machete had been. <laughs> well, Kane, not seeing him do that, turned around and put the machete back. But he just barely touched his arm. The guy jerked his arm back. And it cut clear across the top of his arm about, oh, I'm going to say, maybe an eighth of an inch deep. Wow. Yeah. But, but you would have thought it cut his arm off. I mean, the blood went everywhere. That's insane. Uh, and uh, the people were just, they, were, they went berserk. I mean, they, they couldn't think of People just didn't know what to think. They didn't, they didn't think, they knew that it, was, it wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't going to kill the guy or anything, but they just couldn't believe that somebody got cut, you right. know, with a machete. <laughs> oh my goodness. But they, they, they hauled him off and took him to the hospital and took some stitches in him. Wow. But it, the person that hurt was Kane, and poor Kane, he never, he couldn't come back to his desk. He was gone for four or five hours. Wow. And his people in line stood there. And that's a fact. They stood in line for four or five hours waiting, knowing he would come back eventually. Wow. And he did come back. And I, like a big idiot, got up and uh, there was a big towel uh, at my desk. I went over and cleaned all the blood off the, his table <laughs> and all around on the floor and stuff. But that, that was all that happened. Oh, wow. That's, oh, wow. that's crazy. <laughs> um, well, yeah. um, go ahead. Oh, uh, what does it feel like knowing you are only one of a select few to portray the iconic and legendary Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th films? Well, after meeting the people that go to this that, this movie, the horror fans, I consider myself very, very lucky to have done one. Uh, right. And, you know, I was offered five and six, and I turned them down. Well, I turned them down because I was working. Right. But I turned them down. I look back on it now. Had I turned, if, I'd, if I'd have gone ahead and done them, like Kane did four, uh, well, it's, it's like a million dollar gift certificate. That's what it comes from. If you do that many, he's done four, and uh, I'm, I'm not saying how much money he makes, but he does extremely well. I'll put it that way. Right. Uh, you know, but all, all the Jasons, they go, uh, do very well. That's great. And the last question I got for you is, um, what do you have any uh, like future projects in the works that you would like to tell the readers about? I met an old buddy of mine. I did a movie years ago. Uh, what the dickens I do now? My mind's going blank on me. Uh, oh, my goodness. And this, he was a director on it. And uh, I met him at the airport when we were leaving uh, New York. Uh, what was it? Uh, my goodness. It was Jeff Bridges. I can't even think. <laughs> I can't. Th- I can't think of the name of that movie. 
retirement. And uh, uh, I was I was sitting in the airport in uh, in New Jersey, and he came in and sat down beside me with his uh, entourage, and uh, we'd been talking. I I had I hadn't seen him in well since I did Starman. I hadn't seen him since then. But he was at the uh, convention that I was at, and uh, he doesn't put a he doesn't put a banner up over his uh, over his desk. Right. People know who's there, and uh, they lined up. Now he, he's charging, I think, one hundred and twenty-five dollars a signature. Hmm. But, but he has he has tons of people hmm. waiting, and he just there's just no way he can get up and go out and do anything. Right. Uh, uh, just it's just too many people want to see. He's a wonderful guy, and, and uh, I, I'll put it this way: I he, I thought, I, well, I didn't know. Uh, he's telling me in the airport um, that the last next thing he wants to do, if he gets the opportunity, he wants to direct a big western. Okay. And he was asking me about uh, what what would be a good location for westerns. As as you probably know, I did a ton of westerns with John right. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, are you so gonna uh, are you gonna star in anything with them then? Do you have anything working with them? Well, you know what? I, I don't think I don't think so. Not at this time in my life. Uh, okay. I, I I'm in good health. Uh, I, I'm I'm very active. I play golf, uh, I play tennis, uh, and I work out. Awesome. Uh, but I have, behind my home, I have a big woodworking shop that I, um, that's my hobby, woodworking. I build furniture. Awesome. And, and I do that as a hobby. And, uh, uh, so no, I, I, I have no, I have no, uh, aspirations of ever doing another movie. The last movie I did was Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Okay. Well, you had 60 years of uh, film under your belt. I mean, you put in your uh, dues for acting, and you did a wonderful job in Friday the 13th. And, you know, you worked with legendary guys like John Wayne and Clark Gable. I mean, just you had an ex extraordinary career. Well, let me say this to you and your audience. Okay. Thank you for being letting me bore you for the last 15 or 20 minutes. Not a I'm sorry that I'm not more exciting in what I'm talking to you about. But that's the life of an old stunt man, and uh, they don't have a lot of things to talk about other than stunt work, and I don't want to bore you with that. You didn't uh, bore me at all. I could tell you, Greg uh, Gilbert, he um, he was the one that uh, got you to agree to an interview with me, and the fact is he said you were a really amazing interview, and I have to say he was not wrong. He did not disappoint. You did an amazing job. I had a great time talking to him. I'm a huge fan, so it was great to actually talk to one of my, to my favorite Jason of the franchise. Oh, what a compliment that is. Thank you so very much. <laughs> I do appreciate problem. it. Thank you very much, Thank Ted. Very much, Ted. Okay, pal. Take yeah, care of yourself. You too. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye.